chapter 13. It's been a long time. It's been over a year since I've asked you all to turn to the New Testament, and hopefully that um, is a refreshing change. Although we love the Minor Prophets, but we have finished them as of two weeks ago, and today we will look at a passage I've been wanting to preach. I just knew I needed to get finished with the Minor Prophets first. So here we are at Matthew 13. I'm thankful he's not here, but Troy Harrison was here last Sunday for our homecoming service as we celebrated 103 years. I was glad to have he and his family back and uh, thank God for them. And um, really looking forward to us getting into Matthew chapter 13 today. This passage is about hearing. And I know that when we start talking about hearing and listening, um, there's a lot that we could say. The Bible tells us to be quick to hear and slow to speak, but it seems like many of us are kind of the reverse of that, right? We talk more than we listen, and we're very quick to tell you our two cents or give you our opinion, but we're not very good at hearing out somebody else. And yet, the Bible is against that, and the Bible wants us to make sure that we are cautious when we speak, that we are uh, thoughtful before we speak, and make sure that we understand what we're talking about. And, um, you know, the Bible talks a lot about hearing, And in this passage today, here in the Gospel of Matthew, we have uh, Jesus talking about what happens when we hear the Word of God. This is a really interesting passage. You know, really what a church is supposed to be is a group of people who are believing and they are trying to grow in their belief based off the Word of God. In the Great Commission, which we talked about last week when we did those baptisms, After Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make disciples, baptize them, you notice that what he says next is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. The mark of the believer is to be in this class or in this training of learning what God says, learning what God has taught. Well, the type of listeners that we are determines how much we're growing. It determines whether uh, the word is coming into us or whether it's just going in one ear and out the other. And this is what the passage is on today. For whatever reason, all of us at times struggle to listen. Perhaps you're trying to have a conversation and the TV's on and it's a distraction. Perhaps you got so much on your mind that you're not listening well. Perhaps you're just too tired, and so you're not able to concentrate. We could go on and on with scenarios that are uh, reminding us of why we're not listening well. There have been so many times, both with my own family and with you guys, when we will be at Sunday lunch And somebody asks a question about the sermon. What was the sermon on? And people say, I can't remember. Sorry, man, I was just uh, tired or I was looking at my phone or whatever. And it's literally 30 minutes to an hour after church ended and they can't remember. And that's not a rare, crazy story. All of you are like, yeah, I've been there before. So hearing the word of God is important. This is what Jesus talks about today. I want so badly for all of you all to understand that this is important, that I need to value this, that we need to value this. 
Leon Morris says, great words, listen, like repent, believe, and do good. Great words like that strike a chord with us when we hear them. But in every age, it has been easy not to take care how or what we hear. It's easy to not remember it. It's easy to not follow through. It's easy to say, you know what, that's a good point. I'm gonna try to make this adjustment in my life. And then before you know it, that thought or that burden or that desire is removed. Well, in our passage today, Jesus gives a parable. It's a story, a a, a thing that didn't actually happen uh, to teach a big lesson, right? Some people call a parable an earthly lesson to teach a heavenly truth or something like that. And so I want to read now from Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning of verse one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other other seeds fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus is standing there, a lot of people listening. He tells this parable. he's, He's teaching this. And uh, this passage is in Matthew, it's also in Mark, and it's also in Luke. And so uh, many of you are familiar with this, you've heard this before. What arises after that is they start asking questions, what does this mean, who was that for, what, what, what are you talking about, what's the purpose of the parable? So Jesus explains what parables are for, and then I want us to jump over to verse 18, and Jesus explains. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, look at this, and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. As you can tell, this passage is one that really deserves our attention. You know, I like to point this out as often as I can. There are some places in the Bible that are hard to understand. There are some passages that you read and you think, I have no idea what that's talking about. I need somebody to explain it to me. This passage is not one, is it? 
This is one that is so helpful and beneficial for us to look at. That's why I've been wanting, wanting us to get to this. I want you to take this to heart. I want you to consider where you are in this passage. What type of a hearer are you? What priority or what position does the word of God and the preached word of God have in your life? He tells the parable at the beginning of 13, and he explains the parable later in chapter 13. If you didn't pick up on it, let me just explain a few of the key components. The path, where it lands, equals the heart, equals the heart of an individual. Where the seed landed uh, is equal to a heart, okay? So you had the, the path, the trail that people walked on. You have the rocky ground, right? You have the, you have the, 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 the garden with the thorns in it. And then you have the good soil. There are four different landings here, four different uh, places where the seed finds itself. You've got the path, you've got the rocky ground, you've got the thorns growing up in it, and then you've got the good soil. But the path equals the heart. The seed equals the word of God, or here in Matthew, the word of the kingdom, the message, the gospel, the teaching, the truth of God, the message of Christ. That is what the seed is. Perhaps you've heard people say that we're just planting seeds, or the seed has been planted. Yes, the seed is the message. The birds devouring, which we're going to see in the first one, is the devil. It is the evil one snatching away. So when a, a seed lands somewhere, and before anything happens with the seed, a bird comes and scoops it up and takes it away. That's what the devil does, so that there will be no fruit produced. The sower is anyone that is sowing, anyone that is spreading the message, anyone who is proclaiming the word of God. Now, I think it is very uh, fitting here that we would begin with Jesus being the sower. And in this parable, Jesus is the one who ultimately brings the message of God to us. And so we are to think about Christ's message coming to us. The path equals the heart. The seed equals the message. The birds devouring refer to the devil and the evil one. And the sower is anyone who is spreading the message. So I want us now to look at the four different soils. Let's look at the first one, the path. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Let's be honest here. The Bible has been taught countless times. You have heard the Bible many times. You have heard the message of Christ many times. You probably know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that God loves you and God will forgive you of all your sins if you will turn to him and be forgiven of your sins. That is the message. That is the message that we want to communicate. It's the message that we want to get deep down inside of you, in your soul and in your, in your, in your heart. That is the message. But... If countless times it's been taught, countless times it's been taught and not received, right? Taught or preached and not received. And the Bible wants us to understand that we're not really confused about that. It seems to me that so often people are confused on why people aren't responding or whatever, but Jesus lets us know here in the very first soil that here's what happens. It is heard, they do not understand it because the evil one comes and snatches away 
what has been sown in his heart, this is what was sown along the path. It's taken away. It doesn't sink down into them. It doesn't get into their, it doesn't get into their bones. It doesn't get into who they are. It doesn't bring a conviction to them. It doesn't start to change their life. The, the, the seed is removed, and so nothing's going to grow from the seed. This happens. This means, y'all, that often... When somebody preaches the gospel, there are people that hear it and nothing happens. The devil has scooped it up, snatched it and run away and there's not going to be any fruit from it. But I want to point out that it says it snatches it away from the heart. It doesn't necessarily say that it was snatched away from the head. There are a lot of people out there that know the gospel in their head but they don't know it in their hearts. There are a lot of people out there who can remember what we preach. They know what we're about, but they're not about it. There are a lot of people out there that know that the Bible says, unless you repent of your sins, you will perish. Without the forgiveness of sins, you cannot be saved. The Bible says that, right? And there are a lot of people that know that in their head, but they do not know that in their hearts. There are a lot of people out there who know that Christians are those that repent, but they don't repent. They know that Christians are those that follow Christ, but they don't follow Christ. So there's a lot of head knowledge out there that 1 Corinthians warns us just puffs up that does not make us loving, which flows from the heart. Church, we need to remember that Christianity is not a business. It is not a machine. It's certainly not a well-oiled machine. It is something that the Spirit does. We cannot produce anything. If we can produce it, we need to be careful and be scared of what we are able to produce. Jesus teaching Nicodemus that time in John chapter 3 equated the work of God to the wind, the Spirit's moving and working. The spiritual aspect of religion that God does is like the wind. You can see what happening, but you can't see it. When the gospel is preached, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't think that if we preach it automatically, this many people are going to respond or this many people are going to respond. For Jesus wants us to know that sometimes when it is preached, it lands on a path that is very hard. What is the characteristic of dirt on a trail? It's been packed and packed and packed and packed and packed. And nothing, nothing grows there. You know, me and my family like to go hiking sometimes. And we, we've been hiking even just recently on fall break. And when you're walking on a trail, you've got all this growth beside you. But right there along the trail, it's like carved out. It's packed down and it's, and it's hard dirt. And you think, well, why are stuff growing everywhere except right here? Because that setting of where something would grow is so hard that nothing actually grows there. It is so hard that nothing actually grows there. And some people and some hearts are that way. And the devil comes and snatches that truth away so that it doesn't fall and take root there inside of them. Folks, we need to know this. We need to guard ourselves from this. We need to say that I don't want this to be me. 
I don't want to show up here this morning, have somebody telling me what God says, pushing me to rest in Christ and trust in Christ and be set free from all the things that weigh me down and believe in the love of God. I don't want to hear that and then walk out of here knowing that the devil's about to take that right off my heart. I wouldn't walk out of here believing that and being in that. That's the first one that Jesus talks about, and it's a scary thought. That somebody could come to church or go to Bible study and yet the devil take everything away that you just heard. That's a scary thought. But that's just the first one. Let's move on to the second one, verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, so the first ground is the, is the path, the second ground is the rocky ground. And this one gets even more scary. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? You know how happy we would be if at the end of the day today somebody came forward and said, you know what, that's the best news I've ever heard. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I'm full of all sort of conviction and, and guilt, and I, I need to get right with God. Is there a Savior out there for me? Will Jesus' blood wash away my sins if I trust in him? We would say, absolutely. And they say, well, give me that. I am so happy. I've never been so happy in all my life. This is the message that I needed to hear. Jesus says right here, folks, you need to know that happens quite a bit. You know that happens quite a bit. You've seen that happen quite a bit. There are a lot of people out there that hear the word of God. It falls on their heart in such a way that immediately they receive it with joy. And yet, folks, that's not enough. That's not the answer. That's not what God is going for. Look what it says next. Yet, he has no root in himself. He endures for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Immediately, he falls away. If the Bible teaches us anything, it is that I'm confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. If God has started that work in your heart... God will finish that work. If God has called you out of darkness and placed you into the marvelous light, God will keep you going in that direction. Do we sin? Absolutely. Do we go through seasons of struggle and do we backslide at times? Is there a, a, is there a shortened season of following way? Absolutely there is. But the Bible teaches us that the grace of God will keep us and will restore us because when God saves us, what he does is he gives us a heart, a new heart, a living heart that knows him and that heart has a root to it. The heart is a root that starts to grow and the, and the roots that are growing produces, listen, produces something that will bear fruit. See, it's a rocky ground and that's what we are to notice. See, on the path, the seed didn't get down and start growing and the birds came and devoured it. But on the rocky ground, it, 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 it seemed like something was going to happen there, but there is no place. Listen, there is no place for roots. Every year in the beginning of springtime and getting into early summertime, you'll see in a driveway that has some cracks or a parking lot that has some cracks or a sidewalk that has some cracks, you'll see some little grass or some plants starting to grow up, won't you? You've seen a little plant or grass try to grow up in a parking lot on a blacktop or concrete before, haven't you? And you notice that it never turns into some big thriving thing. 
You notice that. Because there is no root there, and because there is no root there, it's not able to survive. So it is in the life of a believer. If there is no root inside of you of God having made me born again and changed my heart, then that experience that you're saying there at the beginning is not going to last and you are going to fall away. When the sun comes out on a small little plant and starts to put the heat on it, if there is no root there that is strong enough to keep that thing alive, it will burn that plant up. And you've all seen dead, burnt up plants in the middle of concrete before. This is what Jesus says happens to some who hear the word of God. If there is no root, listen, in the life of one who says that they are a follower of Christ, if there is no root, then you and I are to recognize this is only temporary. This is only temporary. Anything appearing to have life that does not have roots will not continue to have life. You need to know that. Anything that appears to have life that does not have roots will not continue to have life. And so it is in the life of the believer. If your faith is dependent upon your church or if your faith is dependent upon some experience that you've had, then you need to understand that uh, you need to get the focus back on is there a root in me? In the Bible, we like to talk a lot about uh, the difference between a root and fruit, and that's exactly what Jesus is pointing out here. When God saves us and he gives us faith and he leads us to repentance and we come to see Jesus as the one who loves us with an everlasting love, we come to see Jesus as the one who loves us forever and despite all of our sins, he loves us and he will forgive us. He has enough forgiveness for us forever. And when we come to believe that, then that root is taking place inside of us based off the truth of God that our identity is found in God and his love for us. Our identity is found in Christ. It is not in our performance. There is a root there, and the root shows that if the root is healthy, then the plant will be too. The seed will grow based off the root. Jesus points out here with the rocky ground that in the life of the, of, of the person who hears the word, this does not always happen. Notice also in verse 21 that it even says, endures for a while. Now, this doesn't say a month. This doesn't say uh, a year, this doesn't say 20 years, this doesn't say you know, 20 weeks, it just endures for a while. This possible in your own strength, right, with your own surroundings and some good decisions and some, some good people around you, that you could keep going in this direction for some amount of time. But as we know and as I remind us often, life is very hard. Life will come and get you sooner or later. Life will tear you up. Life will break you down. Life is hard. And the only thing that keeps somebody trusting in the word of God is the root that trusts in the word of God that God has placed inside of us. You will not continue to trust in the word of God on your own strength. You will not. But when God has placed that living root, that living heart, that anchor of faith inside of you that is a gift of God, that root will not dry up. Listen to what Leon Morris says. He says, sooner or later... All face trouble. Sooner or later, all face trouble, such as persecution. Listen, there is no easy way for the servant of God. When trouble of this sort comes to the shallow enthusiast, the pretty bubble is burst. 
and the profession of loyalty is exposed for the sham it is. Christianity without a root is dependent on everything going well. Christianity without a root in it that says the word of God is true and that's what I'm holding into, Christianity without that root is dependent upon our circumstances flowing in the direction that I can handle on my own. But the Bible wants us to know that that's not exactly the way it is. Jesus says that when the word is preached, the word of God, the word of the kingdom, when it is spread, sometimes it falls upon uh, hearts that are, that are rocky and they hear it and they immediately receive it with joy, but there's no root there. And soon, after a while, they fall away. When we think about somebody who used to be believing, when we think about somebody who used to like the word of God, who used to like growing in the word of God, we need to consider, could they possibly be in this category? We need to ask ourselves, listen, we need to ask ourselves, is there a root inside of us? Is there an anchor that says, I really believe the word of God, I know what his promises are, and I'm trusting them? Or are we living on our own strength here with the serious warning that we could fall away? That's the second one. The third one is the one of thorns, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now this one weighs heavy. The devil hasn't snatched anything away. There's no description here of a, the lack of a root. This one looks even more so like the seed is going down into some soil and something good is happening. This looks like the person who in many ways perhaps is following Christ. This looks like the person who is believing the word of God. But then there's this but. It says they hear the word but some things come up that are more important to them. Notice that it says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Two major, major concerns. And these major concerns that are being used by the devil to mess us up. Remember, the devil tells us, or Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 about the devil, that the devil comes to steal kill and destroy. Perhaps you remember that verse. That the devil is alive and well and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. And here we have this description of somebody who has believed the word of God or has heard the word of God and seemed to receive it. There seems to be some growth there, but then some concerns come about that are bigger than their commitment to the word. And so what we have, notice in verse 22, is that it chokes the word out. Now remember that the message of God is the word of God, and this is the truth, and God sent this to us that you and I would know what God is like. We've mentioned it many times here in our church that we are to know about God. We are to know God, know of him, believe in him, know what he's like, know what his character is, know what he says, know what he thinks, know what he feels, know how he responds to certain things. We are to know God, and that comes through his word. If 
You and I allow ourselves to get in the position where we have removed the word of God from our lives, what are we going to be like? If we allow ourselves to get into position where we don't read the word of God, we don't hear the word of God, we don't sing the word of God, we don't memorize the word of God, that the word of God has been removed from our lives, what are we going to be like? We cannot hope in the truth if we do not know the truth. And the Bible says here that there is a way for us to move ourselves into a position where the word has been choked out of our lives. And it's so often where somebody says, man, I, I really used to be into exercising, but I, you know what, I just, I just don't exercise anymore. And man, I used to really be into taking care of myself and prioritizing my family, but you know, I don't know what happened. Ever since I got this job, I, we just don't do those things anymore. And we're very familiar with our lives changing. Life is always changing, and things get choked out, right? You used to read, but now you don't read anymore. Y'all used to go for family walks, but now you don't anymore because life's complicated, and things get choked out, right? Well, the Bible says here that one of the things most definitely gets, gets choked out of our lives is God's word. And you and I know of people, perhaps you're here today, where you would admit that you believe, but there is no word in your life that's been choked out. Some of y'all have a Bible that somebody gave you. Some of y'all have a Bible that you got for graduation or you got when you got married or something like that, but you honestly have not picked it up and read it in years, years. It has been choked out. You know what it means to choke something out? You know what it means? It means to get a hold of it so tight. It means to get a hold of it so tightly that you remove something else. My boys are getting bigger now. JJ's 11 and Eli's 10. And they are just now starting to love wrestling. They are wrestling all the time. And it's a lot of fun. You know, as a dad, you get to see that and you kind of get into it and they're going at it. And I said, well, who won? They said, I don't know. How do you know who wins? That's a good question when guys are wrestling. How do you know who wins? I said, well, here's how you know who wins. You start hurting them so bad that they have to stop. You start hurting them so bad they have to say, hey, stop, stop, quit. Right? And in wrestling, you say, man, he choked him out. He had his neck so tight that they had to give up. Now, I'm not wanting them to kill each other, but you know, it's fun to see brothers wrestle. And you also know what it means for somebody to have you in such a position that you've got to quit. And Jesus says, life's going to get you in such a position, or life can get you in such a position, that you'll quit the word. It'll get choked out. I know a lot of dads that used to pray with their kids. I know a lot of moms that used to read to their kids. I know a lot of Christians, listen, that used to go to church, used to prioritize the word, but it's gotten choked out. And I know it's a big question of what are your priorities. And Determining what are your priorities is hard enough in and of itself, but folks, listen to me. I love all your different lives. I love how diverse our group is, and some of y'all work, some of you don't, some of you do this, and some of you don't, some of you volunteer, and some of you don't. We're all busy as can be, and I understand that. I kind of like y'all being busy. Do not let anything be more important than the word of God in your life. 
There is a chance that the word of God, the very truth that will save your soul, is being choked out. But notice what it is that chokes out. The cares of the world. Now, when I say the deceitfulness of riches, you know, man, that sounds bad. I'm just greedy. I just want more stuff. I got to get more money. See, I spend more money, so I got to work more. You know how many people are saying now that they have to work, have to work, have to work, have to work? They got a second job. They have to work. They have to work. You know, now, now I, I love you guys that are working and working a lot and more power to you. Keep it up. Good work ethic is up there. One of the finest characteristics you can have. But there's another aspect to be considered with your awesome work ethic. The reason why most of us have to keep working so much is because we're spending so much. Let's be honest. Let's be honest about that. And if you're buying more and more and more stuff so that you've got to work more and more and more, and now the word's choked out, guess what? You are a slave to the deceitfulness of riches. You know how much better your life would be and how much calmer your soul would be if you just say, I'm going to spend a little less and it's going to be awesome to be in the word of God. I don't have to work as much when I spend less. I can actually be at church on Sunday morning. I can get involved in one of these many Bible studies that our church offers. I can be in a small group. I can have somebody teach me the Bible. I can start reading the Bible. We know the deceitfulness of riches is bad. Y'all need to be careful with that. But the other one's not that bad. The cares of the world. It's not bad to care. It's not bad to be caught up in the cares of the world. Those are good things. But when you care about it so much that the word of God's been choked out, now we're in trouble. Nothing's more important than the word. Last week, Troy told that story of the very first Sunday that they were ever here, right? And we didn't get done with Ecuador testimonies until 12.05. We were supposed to end the service right then. And I decided to still preach, right? And Troy said that was the thing. That's when he got all worked up and said, hallelujah. Y'all remember that weird moment in his sermon last week? He said he did that based off the us wanting to still preach the word. If we can't be committed to the word, then I don't have a job and we're not a church. This is the most important thing. Now, there are a lot of other really important things, but the word of God is most important. It has to be most important in your life. It has to be most important in our church's life. It has to be most important in your marriage and in your parenting and in your work life and in your character and your integrity. The word of God is to be the thing. Do not let anything choke it out. I can't tell you how many times that we've gotten home late from a ball practice or something like that, and it's already like 9.30 going on 10 o'clock, and I'm like, y'all hurry up and get in bed. I'm tired. Somebody speaks up and says, we're going to skip reading the Bible? And real quick, on a split second, I have to say, 30 more minutes of sleep or the word choked out. Now, obviously, in the big picture, sleep's important, but not more important than the word. Don't get me wrong, every once in a while you can go into bed and get that rest, you know what I'm saying. But you know how habits work, right? One night turns into seven nights real quick. And one week of no Bible turns into one year of no Bible real quick. Right? And the word gets choked out. So when we start talking about the cares of the world, we have to admit that these are genuine concerns that we have, but... God is in control of the world. And so we can trust God over and above our circumstances. We know verses like 
trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. See, the cares of the world will suck us in and choke out the word. We remember when Joseph said in Genesis that what you meant for evil, God meant for good. We remember when Paul writes in Romans 8 that God works all things together for the good. That the concerns and cares that I have in my life can really, really, really be a burden to me. And that burden is a real aspect of Christianity. Life is hard. But do not get so wrapped up in the difficulties and stresses of life that the word is now choked out. It's not okay to be well-intended and doing good things to the extent that you've cut the word out. I appreciate y'all that are visiting the sick, and I appreciate y'all that are running to the hospital, and you're taking care of your family, you're doing this, you're working a second job so you can have them. I love how busy we are, I really do. But we got to draw the line at the words choked out. If you are so busy that now the word is not in your life, that is a problem, and it's not admirable anymore. Now, if the word of God is your lifeline, it's your anchor, and in all that you've got going on, then we're going to give caution there, but we're not going to necessarily say that it's a bad thing. But if you've got so much going on with the cares of the world that the word is choked out, we're in some serious trouble. We need to trust God that a little less concern for the world and the world's ways and a little more commitment to the word is what God wants for me. A.W. Tozer says this, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more like Christ, it resolves, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. When I understand everything happening, the flat tires and the bad moods and the confrontations and the losing the job and the late bills and the financial troubles, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more like Jesus, it resolves a great deal of anxiety because my Father in heaven knows where I'm at. He knows what I'm going through and he's working. Listen to this right here from Leon Morris. It is possible to be so taken up with the contemplation of the threats and opportunities of life that the word from God that we receive and welcome does not get sufficient attention. Jesus says that these worldly concerns choke the word. One life can only hold so many things, and he is referring to a life that is so full of worry that there is no room for serious attention to the word of God. That happens. That's the third one. And now lastly, we look at the fourth one. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Jesus says that when the word is preached, there are four different examples here, and surely these aren't the only four. There would be other scenarios, too, of what happens when the word is preached. But Jesus gives here that when the word of God is sown or spread or taught or proclaimed, when the word of God is preached, there are four different scenarios of how it's received, and one of them is the good one, where it takes root and it starts to bear fruit. Folks, he's talking about your heart. How is it when the word is preached? What's your heart doing? Are you already now thinking of what you've got to do this afternoon and so you've already tuned out? Did you stay up so late last night that just being here was the goal because you know you're not going to be able to take it in? Are you so stressed out because of all the bad decisions you've made that here today you can't even focus in on a good decision? The Bible says that our heart is like soil. If you know anything about gardening, you've got to take care of the soil. 
Nobody starts a garden by just taking their seeds and throwing it out over there in the yard. Nobody does that. And if you've ever seen somebody who really knows how to garden, I mean, it looks perfect. They have tilled the dirt and tilled the dirt and tilled the dirt. Some of them start tilling the dirt a year before. Till the dirt, till the dirt, till the dirt. You know why? Because whenever that seed actually gets there, they want to make sure it grows. There's nobody more foolish than the person who thinks they were doing a garden and they haven't prepared the soil. And there's no churchgoer more foolish than the one who thinks that they're following Jesus and they haven't prepared the soil. Heart ain't ready for it. Perhaps it's the devil snatching it away. Perhaps it's the rockiness and there's gonna be no root. Perhaps it's the thorns that are gonna choke it out like the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Church, God wants us, Jesus here wants us to say, I want my heart, I want my heart to be the good soil that receives it. When God tells us that he sent Jesus to die for us, Whoever believes in him will be forgiven of their sins. And when we turn to him and believe we're to be followers of Christ, it's like God putting in us a lifeline, literally a lifeline, saying, I want more of him, more of him, more of him. I'm hungry for his word. That's the root, desiring more and producing fruit. So here today, church, let's make sure we have a good understanding of what happens when the word is preached. And let's make sure we're mindful of what type of hearing are we doing. Let's prepare ourselves to receive the word. Let's prepare ourselves to see the word of God take root in us and bear fruit in us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus' parable of the sower. Thank you, God, for the honesty that he gives in this very strong message of Every time the word is proclaimed, it does not mean that a root takes place. It does not mean that there will be fruit. And so, Father, help us to be very serious about wanting to receive it. Oh, God, may we never just run on. May we never ignore it. May we ask and seek you that there would be fruit in our lives. Father, make us a fruitful people and a fruitful church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you need to trust in Christ, Perhaps you think you've trusted in Christ, but you know you need to trust in Christ. You want to be saved from your sins. I can help you with that. If you're here today and you've not been baptized, you think I am believing or I'm, I'm ready to get baptized and you want to be baptized soon and you can, you can help us or you can make that decision now. And if you're here and you want to be a part of this church, you want us to be your church family. Here as we sing our final song, let's respond.